all of these people died never having received what was promised. And, um, and, and yet they died in hope, not in cynicism. That they knew that God was building something. There was a, a city prepared for them. There was a, um, a, a world, a, a kingdom. And, I, and so I, I, I take great hope in that. Welcome to another edition of Resurrection Covenant Church's ongoing series, Letters to the Church, uh, in which we invite the series in which we invite people from all over that vast communion of saints to share with us a little bit about how they're experiencing life these days, but also a word that they would have to give to the church in this season. Today, we are so very grateful and excited to welcome Pastor Judy Peterson. As many in our community will know, Judy is a wonderful pastor and friend and a mentor to so many people. She is a gifted preacher and teacher, a sought after speaker. And perhaps I think one of the things that I love most about her is that she is not afraid to get into the good kind of trouble. And so we are uh, so glad to have you here with us, Judy, um, and grateful for your time. Yeah, it's good to be here. Always good to be with the ResCov and broader family. Um, our first question is we, we ask all of our um, guests this question is, um, and it's kind of the get to know you question, and I think our people know a little bit about your story, but it's always helpful to hear um, how each guest frames their experience and, and life. And so our first question is, what shapes and informs how you show up in the world? That's actually not super complicated, and although I can give long answers, my this is pretty efficient. I really believe that we, if we are followers of Jesus, are meant to be the now body of the eternal Christ. And this was something I read two decades ago um, in a book called The God of Intimacy and Action. But it, it said that the eternal Christ has always existed. At one point in history, the eternal Christ put on the flesh of Jesus and Jesus became the then body of the eternal Christ. Uh, Jesus was then crucified, dead, buried, raised, and, and then said, wait and I will send my spirit upon you and you will be the now body of the eternal Christ. Mm. And I really believe that we are the, the current physical manifestation of the eternal Christ. We're where the eternal Christ is choosing to inhabit space in this world. And that has um, informs just about every way I believe I'm meant to show up. Doesn't mean I always get it right, but I, I do believe that this is the call, is that my body is to be yielded as a, a mechanism or a way for God to show up in the world. One thing I've always loved about that is when Jesus said, um, greater things will you do than I have done. I was always like, okay, well, I never like divided the bread in a million pieces and parted the seas or calmed the seas. But, but what makes sense to me is that when Christ came the first time, Christ inhabited a Middle Eastern male, uh, fairly young body. And he was only in one place at one time. When he was in Nazareth, he wasn't in Jerusalem. When he was in Bethsaida, he wasn't by the Sea of Galilee. But, but now, the now body of the eternal Christ can manifest in a, someone who's 83 and someone who's four, someone who is in um, Northern European flesh and somebody who is in a black body, someone who is in a trans body, somebody who is... Um, you know, Asian Pacific Islander, that that greater things will we do than Jesus did. Mm -hmm. We could be everywhere in the world at one time if we yielded our body into that. Mm -hmm. That's so how we show up. Ask my husband if it's consistent, and he will say, making a reasonable run. 
as we all are. Well, we're showing this, um, well, we're recording this few days before uh, the Feast of All Saints, and we're going to show it on All Saints Sunday. And as you were just talking about that, I was thinking, you know, what a beautiful image of what saints are, those people that have particularly um, shown that eternal Christ in the present. So I was wondering for you, who are those kind of capital L and small or capital S and small S saints in your life? Um, and how does that belief in the community of, of saints change how you uh, inhabit the world? The capital L, I'm like, what language is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Greek. It's a very, it's an old Syriac I did. Like, oh no, I have saints, but I don't have the L word. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, I would... Um, let me offer two that are, are just lovely humans that I often think about and feel conversational with. So two people who mentored me when I was in seminary are Jerry Reed and Richard Carlson. And they were two very tender, present, showing up sort of individuals in my early formation into kind of who it is to be a pastor, uh, a teacher, evangelist. And uh, Jerry, Jerry stepped in at a time when I, I really needed an image of a good man and what that was. And he, you know, he was just as likely to teach me about um, some passage in the Bible, some formational thing in me, as he was to say, oh, you need your car battery changed. And so I think I feel... Jerry's intercession in my life when I bake cookies for my neighbor, when I go sit on the street corner with a sign, and then when sometimes I share a scripture passage, but that it's all sort of blended. And I feel like Jerry intercedes for like, this is life. This isn't a separate part of life. And, and I feel like I, yeah, like Jerry cheers that part on every time I get a little one way or the other. He's like, yeah, don't just change the car battery without a blessing and don't bless mm -hmm. people without changing the car battery. Mm -hmm. And so this sort of part. And Richard Carlson was, um, I, I he challenged me, I think, towards a whole me, um, not just a whole world, but that it was good for me to tend to my own formation and for me to ask why I was angry, what I was upset about. And so I do believe that that these forces are not just former forces, but that they continue, I continue to commune conversationally with their lives and, and what they, I believe they're, they're continuing to uh, intercede on my behalf. The, the other piece, and this is maybe a little bit, I don't know, this might be a little uncomfortable. So, you know, good trouble and all, but, <laughs> But I, um, because I had repetitive pregnancy loss, I had to and have had to contend with theologically, what do I believe about life and how it continues and where it is? And um, during my struggle with life and death of, uh, of children in utero, I found Mary... Um, to be such an intimate partner in that journey because she was a somebody in the scripture who knew what it was to lose a child. And, and so I, I would often pray and have conversations with Mary. And so some of my evangelical friends would be like, okay, we don't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But the thing that's so crazy is we are the ones as 
I mean, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself evangelical in a traditional way anymore, but we are raised and soaked in that water. We are the ones that pitch this thing as everything matters about where you're going to live after you die. And yet somehow we have forgotten that people live after they die. And I really believe that the people who have died are really alive, that they didn't their, their souls didn't continue in an inaccessible way, but that somebody is really alive, really after death. And they are really in the full presence, not through a glass dimly, face-to-face -face sort of way with God. Why wouldn't I, mm. even if there was just a chance, say, hey, could you intercede? Could you help me? I'm trying to figure this thing out. And you know, could you nudge God and say, hey, God, could you tell her what's up? Or could you interact with her? She's just really needing you to show up. In the same way, if I knew there was somebody at ResCov that was struggling and they had reached out to me, but I wasn't present I in Chicago, I would call Dave, I would call Aaron, I would call somebody and say, hey, could you go to that person? Could you, you're in closer proximity. And mm -hmm. and so I feel, I, I felt real, comfortable. I feel real comfortable having conversations with people I know that were once alive, then dead, and I believe are alive again and, and are in close proximity to God. So I can say, hey, can you have a conversation? I, and I don't know how it all works. I just know that I don't have a, a um, I no longer have a struggle believing it does in some way that I maybe don't even understand. And so um, I love having conversation with the previously dead, now alive people. And um, yeah. And one other thing, and this is again from my own, also from my own loss sort of thing. And this goes in the realm of vision. And I know, again, not everybody's comfortable with that either. But once in a really difficult place, some people laid hands on me to pray for me. And at that time, I had had uh, six or seven pregnancy losses. And at that time I was really anxious about Jeff dying, my husband, Jeff, like, okay, nothing feels secure. And so I was getting nervous about like, if he would go flying or be on his motorcycle. And he was like, wife, you're making me crazy. So I had been praying about that fear. So these people laid hands upon me and began to pray for me. And immediately I would say that I was in a place that is eternal life. Now, I, I, that's all I'm going to say is that I, I was in a place that wasn't dead. And um, in that place, I approached the throne room of God and I felt like Christ said, give me Jeff. And I was like, oh no, I don't trust you with yeah. Jeff. I'm not giving you Jeff. And I, I knew I was weeping as these people were praying, and um, but I couldn't help it because I was so panicked. Um, give me Jeff. I'm like, no, you are not trustworthy. And, um, and give me Jeff. And I just couldn't. And all of a sudden I heard this singing and, um, it, they were singing. It's not a tune, but it, it was a song and it was, it's not long. It's not forever. And I knew that it was, it was my children singing and that they were really alive. Hmm. I didn't see them, but I knew they were real and um, it's not long, it's not forever. And in that moment, I was able to trust Jeff to Jesus because it was like, well, no matter what, it's not long and it's not forever. And so I feel like um, 
I think we have, that felt like a real intercession by children I, that never lived here. Um, and, and that was a gift to me. So I, I, um, I think, yeah, and all these, all of these things that we view as total loss are somehow interceding on our behalf even now. And that to me is hopeful. So follow up that. <laughs> well, I was going to sit. I was going to sit and hold that. <laughs> I, know. Uh, I know, but it is, it was so real. And every day when I get up under our current circumstances, I say to myself these words that I believe I heard from my children whom I never met in voices that I have never heard. It's not long and it is not forever. Whatever this is. Yeah. It's a, a gift of grace. Yes. Um, I, one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking about Richard and Jerry, and I love the reference all, all the way back to this wonderful person, Mary, um, is, and, and we talk about this a lot at, at ResCov, is this, the importance of remembering. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if you have some thoughts on how remembering these stories, these saints, um, shape the life of our lives, but also the life of the church and, and why that matters. I, I think in some sort of testimonial way for me, it's like, well, one, um, they're totally human, which means I totally can be and inside the realm and story of God. And so I think remembering Peter you know, one of the most revered saints, man, he was really messy, um, denying, fighting, prideful, forgetting. And somehow this saint in, um, <laughs> was involved in the story of God. And so to go back to the now body of the eternal Christ, I think sometimes we think our bodies are insufficient to hold the eternal Christ or to make manifest Christ in this world. I'm like, I don't know. Did you read the story? Because, well, they all seem insufficient to the task and that doesn't seem to limit God's work through them. Um, and so I think sometimes remembering, putting back into our membership, the stories that these are not just halo wearing, glowy, perfect, um, never having stumbled, um, always want to get out of bed, always have the right answer, people. Um, th these people we have declared as saints lived in real bodies and lived real messy lives that were really lived towards the redemption of God's work in the world or God's redemption of the world as God worked in the world. And I, and so I, I think one of the, the blessings is, I mean, I knew, you know, I, I knew Jerry as he went through cancer. I knew Richard as he was dying. Um, I, I was TAs for both of them. I saw their frustration with me, with others. Jerry Reed, he, everybody reached out to him. And so he always wanted to get back to everybody, but he was always just with the people he was with. So when I became his assistant, there was a stack of like, these are people I'd like to follow up with. It went back 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Jerry, 
do you think you're ever going to really get back to this person? Or they would even remember they ever sent this note. And he's like, I know, but it'd be so great if I did. I'm like, let's throw this away. <laughs> and, um, and, and so like this sort of Jerry was not, was not, um, perfect in his follow-up and his whatever, but he, he, but he was good. And so I think remembering the saints is a lot about remembering their humanity and yet remembering um, God works through us in the flesh, messy, 18-year-old to-do lists. Mm. It reminds me of that Dorothy Day quote where she said, I don't want to be called a saint because I don't want to be written off that easily. <laughs> right. uh, you know, there's that that understanding that if we call people saints, we can put them on a shelf somewhere where they can serve as our proxy, but we don't have to approach that place. Yeah. So how, how do you think that actually seeing them as humans helps you engage your faith better then or um, empowers you in certain ways? Well, this goes to scripture too. And although I think scripture can be used in such um, not healthy ways, I, I again, I, it goes back to the story sort of piece. It is if I'm writing the now scriptures, I am the now letter. Um, I, I am, I, just, I think it just offers me ways or um, choices of ways to inhabit this space. Like it might be that I'm coming across somebody whose child has just died and I get, I, and I can choose to engage this weeping mother in a particular way. It may be that I'm coming across somebody who is at the city gate who has not been included. And, and because of the story and the saints I read, I, I have some sort of like, oh, like this. Mm-hmm. And so it, it feels like the saints are like, hey, like this is an option. And, and so not this is, um, I, I no longer read the scripture as like, um, maybe paradigmatic, like, oh, because this happened this way for Elijah, it will happen the same way for you. But it, I, but these sort of potentialities that it could, it's possible. Um, and so I don't have to be afraid when I enter into that possibility. And, and so I think, again, it, not necessarily paradigmatic. If you go to this woman who has lost a child and you lay hands on her child, that child will be raised from the dead. Um, I, I don't, that's not how I believe it, but I believe it could happen. And so it can't hurt for me to um, pray for resurrection, whatever that looks like in that situation, um, because, because the saints have, and they're saints. So <laughs> I, I mean, as someone who gets into good trouble, always good to have some good role models. <laughs> the kind of trouble I should be getting good at. <laughs> so. Well, I I think one of the things I um, was thinking about as you were talking is, I think it's Nadia Boltz-Weber who has this really great quote about, uh, or line about how what what we celebrate about saints isn't their godliness, but what we celebrate is God's ability to work and do redemptive stuff in the midst of brokenness, in midst of their brokenness. And um, I think for me that that, that's a hopeful thing um, that God can, use this brokenness um, to do redemptive stuff in the world. Um, and that you're not, you're not, um, no, you're no, you don't have the pressure of Jesus. Like you're the one option, mm. you know, like take the pressure off. The now body of the eternal Christ is huge and expansive. And it, it is not, um, if I just simply can't get out of bed today, 
um, it isn't like the, the body of Christ can't show up. Mm-hmm. Think about the pressure for Jesus, man. Whew, that's a lot of <laughs> pressure. Like you are the one manifestation going on. And um, but that is not the truth anymore. And and so we can know that, you know, our feeble attempts are, are really are not so great attempts, are um, incomplete, or we never even tried. Um, it's not all up to us. Like God has loved us enough to have it not be all up to us, but does invite us. Um, like I tell people, you can't screw up the kingdom. Like you could miss out. You can't screw it up. And I think, um, again, the saints, they, they proclaim that to us. You know, if Peter's um, betrayal of Christ, denial of Christ doesn't screw it up, doesn't screw up his work, um, then mine, uh, my daily countless um, I don't believe this is true. I, I can't believe this is true. That's not going to mess up the possibility of my own sainthood, my own ability to be part of the communion that encourage other people that I don't have to do it perfectly um, to do it. And I think that's such good news for, especially those of us raised in kind of the white evangelical culture where it can feel like you have to discern the one path Uh, And if you ever get off that path, you're screwed. Or uh, and so the saints both in offering like here's many different ways you can live this out. And then what you were just now saying about um, that there isn't uh, like, oh, if we don't do this today, the door has shut. I think that's such good news for us to to say, okay, here are the many options we uh, can embody to live out God's kingdom. Yeah. Uh, And that to me is a, a gift of hope for us. Yeah, somehow we like had this like, whoa, 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 was like little like chemical words for the whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Not on it, like wow, hell. And yeah. I'm like, this is what we're proselytizing. This is not news that's good, you know. I just think there's this the saints tell us there is this broad plateau of mm-hmm. ways that we make manifest God. And on that plateau, like little children, we flail our arms and we dance and we stumble and we lay in the dirt and somehow we're not falling off into the abyss. It, it, it is, I, I, I think the saints reveal to us this playground of, um, or this pasture or this expansive place that, oh, it could be like this. You might be somebody who does it like this. And then another saint did it like this in another place. And I do love that the that very early on the Catholic church had um, saints that were not all in one body. And so even though they knew the then body of the eternal Christ was male, that, that really early on there was the room for the embodied world to, to be part of the communion. Mm. And um, I, I can have all sorts of other issues with things, but that, that piece is lovely because it's very early that the church is um, broadening the uh, or or has an expanded demographic of who fits into sainthood. Yeah, yeah, that's a really important reminder. I feel like. Um, I mean, they messed up gender in a whole lot bunch of other ways. But yeah, <laughs> sure. Be saints from early yeah. on. Yeah, and I think we sometimes forget that. Um, 
one of the things that I have talked about in the past about saints is the, I think a lot about like images and metaphors. And I know this is like your world Meta metaphors. Uh, I've said that to you before, but um, it's one of your, one of your mini gifts. Um, I, we talk about saints as mirrors that reflect or windows that we can see through to God's grace and love. And I was wondering if there's an image or a metaphor that is helpful for you as you um, try and wrap your mind around or your heart or your imagination around um, the idea of saints. This um, this also goes back to it. Um, some of my own wrestling with death and what does life look like after that, and is there? And um, I don't I don't exactly know um, any of those answers. And yet, except for that, I believe there is life and that it's embodied. That we we're not continuing on as a spirit, but that. Uh, and I believe this because the then body of the eternal Christ Jesus um, actually like opened his real eyes and sat up in, on a real, in a real tomb and put his feet on a real earth and really walked back into a real world. And so because I believe that that is paradigmatic, that that is like resurrection, we are resurrected in bodily form. Um, I, I have loved the, um, the image of every tongue, tribe, and nation uh, around the throne room, these embodied, this embodied presence all kind of gathered uh, around um, this God who they now can see fully and know fully, and they're fully known. And one of the, I'm not going to tell you the author because I don't like anything else he's written. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want you to read him, but this, um, this one, um, this one page, actually, it was actually one page, <laughs> because he it was a man writing about how women should go through pregnancy loss. And anyway, that has limits. And um, <laughs> but in this one page, he, he, he talked about that, that the church believes that, um, that children, uh, perinatal loss, miscarriage, terminated pregnancies, um, that, that um, instant heaven, right? Because there, there can't even there can't be an exchange of like ascent or anything. So instant presence of God for those losses. And, um, and we believe that then not just for like Christian evangelical children, but we believe that for every child. Um, and, and so that already every tongue, tribe and nation is already around the throne of God. Um, it, it isn't a someday missional aspirational thing, which was used for a lot of colonialization, a lot of actually um, awful missional practices in their effort to like get to the ends of the earth as rapidly as possible because every tongue, tribe, and nation has to be included in this, which of course there were good people who wanted good news to come, but it anything we try to do fast in the kingdom often gets distorted. Mm. And, um, but, but so what, what we, what we were trying to do through often distorted techniques, God took something that was distorted death and infant loss and perinatal loss and used it redemptively and said, um, all of those children, all of those, uh, humans that were, um, people only view as lost, are part of an already existing full communion of every tongue, tribe, and nation already around the throne. And so I, I love, I have, I found great grace in the fact that I have contributed 11, um, like my, my, my children 
whatever that means when when those pregnancies are so early but but that that something that i created is already participating in what i dream of in terms of conciliation and the gathering of how god's people should um, actually in, engage with each other. And um, I believe that that intercession is full from a fully embodied known reality. And it's not an imaginary idea in my mind. And so that image has been helpful for me. No, it's already happening. I'm trying to live into what's being interceded for on my behalf and is already a physical reality in the mm -hmm. kingdom. So, um, I feel like many people in our congregation, uh, many people in the nation, many people in the world uh, are struggling right now with cynicism and despair. Um, there's so much going on. I mean, the debate is tonight, which I know many of us are already feeling nervous about, the election, COVID, uh, movement for black lives and all of that. It's easy to lose hope in the midst of this. So I don't know if this has to do necessarily with the saints, but how are ways maybe the saints help you hold on to hope or just more practices in general? How are you finding hope in the midst of this turbulent time? Um, well, this goes back to a passage in Hebrews, but all of these people died never having received what was promised. They only saw it from a distance and greeted it and admitted they were aliens and strangers in this world. Um, I, I, I think that this idea that the saints let us know that that the completed work is not going to happen while we're here, that we're living in this in-between space and we can still move in the trajectory that we dream of. And, and so I think that the saints, all of these people died never having received what was promised. And, um, and, and yet they died in hope, not in cynicism. They knew that God was building something. There was a, a city prepared for them. There was a, um, a world, a kingdom, and I, and so I, I, I take great hope in that. Um, I, I have to admit, I, I do not have any cynical. I don't have a cynical bone in my body. Like I really am, kind of this eternal optimist, and so, um, which is, I think, a grace, a charis that God has given to me, because there are, there have been plenty of reasons for me to say. Hope and disappointment, hope and disappointment, hope and disappointment. Why hope? Let's just stay with disappointment. The crash is too hard. And yet, um, I do not grieve as someone without any hope. Um, I, I really believe that the resurrection is real, um, that the redemption of all things will happen. Like I believe in all the shall be's and will be's that are there. Some days they feel harder to hang on to, um, but I believe in all the shall be's and will be's. And I, I read a lot of the shall be's and will be's in scripture when I'm having discouraging days. And, and I know it's okay that if, even if I don't see it happen, it doesn't mean it won't happen. Mm -hmm. It just means I won't see it happen. Um, but I take great hope in that. And I'm not, I'm not a cynic. So I, I mean, it's bad because I'm projecting something that I think is a charis, like as a practice. And I don't know that I can totally do that because I think this is a grace I've received. But I think the, the practice that I practice to maintain this grace I've received is that I, I remember all these people died never having received what was promised. And they, they just hung on to the shall be's and will be's. Aaron and I probably took your other bones, those cynical bones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rid of them. I'm telling yeah. you. 
You can't. I will. This is one other. This is if you consider me a saint, which that would be so funny. But if you did, one of the practices that I would impart to you is I plant about 500 tulip bulbs and um, bulbs that will come up in the spring every fall. So I, I don't wear gloves. I get my hands super dirty. Um, I plant them according to the package instructions. Some need to be three inches, some five inches, some close together, some further apart. But I, and, and it, it'll happen next week. I do it in the cold. It's kind of dreadful to do it. Um, and I plant them in hope. And then um, I'm like, oh yeah, all winter it's icy and it's brutal and it's buried. And then in the spring, it's gonna happen. And I do this as a spiritual discipline. I mean, it makes my yard look nice, but I, I, I started doing that almost 20 years ago. Um, I started in 2004 and um, when we had our first pregnancy loss and I planted bulbs at that point and, and realized like the formational thing that it did in me to say, oh no, there's things buried that are going to come up. Um, and, I, and I participated in that formation in my own life, in, in a messy, cold, hard way through a long, hard, cold season, but it's not long and it's not forever. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Um, that feels like a good place to move to our final question, which is uh, if you were writing a letter to the church today, um, what would you wanna say? What are your hopes for the church? What are your dreams? Um. I would say that the church is an organism and not a mechanism. I mean, we can't just swap out parts and the thing runs in the same way forever. There are life cycles and births and growing and deaths and um, death isn't necessarily a failure. It just is part of a living thing. It dies and then goes back into the earth and nothing's wasted. Um, nitrogen is an eternal property. All life that goes back into the earth comes up as other life. And um, so when your particular manifestation of the church or your idea of the church, it feels like it's dying, it, it like don't worry, there's, um, the now body of the eternal Christ isn't going to die. Just institutions are not mechanisms. They're organisms and they have life cycles. And so that, that sort of knowing that I think has, has helped me um, understand that, well, all of what we've just talked about, that we can let go of things. Um, we can trust things into the next life. Um, we can live in hope that things aren't wasted. Um, we can know that death isn't failure. Um, yeah, so in this time when I think the way that the institution of the church um, is radically shifting and may radically, there may be completely new wineskins, um, I'm not exactly sure what's gonna happen, is to, to not panic. Um, the now body of Christ is raised forever. Um, it's not going to die, um, and it's a, and you don't fail if, if if parts of it need to be entrusted into the earth um, through a next cold season 
and you can do the dirty work with your hands to do that and and, and know and hope that all of what um, is eternal remains and none of it gets lost, none of it. I just wanted to sit there for that. Um, Judy, thank you so much. It feels like such a um, fitting into our time together today. I'm really just grateful for your time. I'm, but even more so just, I think I speak for Dave. Um, yes. Uh, just really grateful for your voice and your friendship and um, your voice in, in our community, but also in the larger church. Um, it's, it's, um, it's an important voice and we're grateful for it and for you. So thank you very much. Thanks for letting me be with your people and blessing on All Saints Day. I, I pray you know you're surrounded by lovely humans that thought the best they could, made a reasonable run at being the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Judy. Thank you.